Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 7, Civil Defense. Teleplay by Mike Crone and directed by Reza Badi. Apologies if I mispronounced that. This episode aired on November 7th, 1994. This week on Deep Space Nine, Cisco, Jake, and O'Brien accidentally trigger an old Cardassian security system that believes the occupation is still going on and that the station has been taken over in a Bajoran workers' rebellion. Well, we love a workers' rebellion, don't we, folks? <laughs> Attention, Bajoran <laughs> workers. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was this like this is one of those episodes that it's like. Oh, like two memes came out of this episode randomly because we have the uh, attention Bajoran workers meme. Yes. And then there's like that visual one of like Kira when she's like charging the phaser and trying to like, you know, shoot stuff in ops. Like I've seen her like that image has been used in a couple different memes that I've right. seen. I will never. So I forgot the... that the attention Bajoran workers was from this episode until it happened. And I was very excited. <laughs> And then you were like Leo pointing at the TV. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, so I remember So Lisa <laughs> Oh, sorry. Okay, you, I can't I can't I can't tell you until you ask me. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> Elise, as we get into the episode, I have a question for you. Did you or did you not remember this episode? Um, I remembered it slightly. So, I actually watched this Cuz of the my... memes? <laughs> no, not from the memes. I remembered that there was like an episode where you know, some security thing got tripped up, but I didn't remember what happened or anything like that. And um, my mom and I watched together, and so um, she had the same memory, like that she knew that there was something, like she remembered the beginning of the episode, but not what happened. And um, I was telling my friend AJ about this, who I normally watch the episodes with, but I was really tired on Friday, and so unfortunately had to cancel that. And he said, it's really funny that you and your mom experienced and remembered this the same way. And I thought that that was actually really funny, too. I assume you remembered the episode. You usually remember these things. Yeah, yeah, I I did. I like, and, I, like, and again, it's, it's one that, like, sticks in my memory a bit more just because it does get inadvertently, like, referenced a bit. Right. Um... This is like for me is like one of those episodes of Deep Space Nine that it's like I remember I don't hate watching it. I don't particularly super enjoy watching it either. Like I think this episode definitely like has its moments, but also it's like interesting in the ways in which it like follows up on some threads that were like earlier in the season, like in last season in the episode Cardassians, the whole I guess rivalry or or hints at a relationship between Ducat and Garrick that gets followed up on here. There's other things yeah. that are like threaded in and it's, it's, it's more kind of insight into Garrick than like we've had in previous seasons. Yeah, and like, we can see sure. already that like considering that like after Garrick's debut in season one, it was like 20 some episodes before they brought him back. And it's like, we've already had Garrick stuff in second skin. And then a couple episodes later, later we have more, more Garrick stuff. So like, I think that's good. And that's interesting. So what listeners may remember this and Elise, you may remember this in like the mid to late two thousands, 
um, when the 90s Star Trek shows started coming out on, on DVD, the box sets for each season, they were like ridiculously overpriced. So what... I'm shocked. As another... Yeah, right? It was like, for a season, it was where it was like 190 to 120 bucks, like Canadian, whatever that worked out to America That's at the insane. Time. I feel like a lot of DVDs at that time here were like 60 bucks a season, which still is insane. Yeah. Um, but what what Paramount... Well, I think it would be Paramount CBS, whoever at the, at the time had the the rights and stuff. Then. Right. They did these like thematic collections of, mm. of episodes on DVD across the across all of the the series that were out up to that point. Um. So you like I had like the time travel collection. So I had episodes from like all the series to that point that had time travel. There was a Q oh, collection. There was fun. like a Klingon collection. There was like a Borg episode collection, et cetera, right. et cetera. I feel like and those I were remember, like a little bit cheaper. I feel like I remember us discussing this when Ryan came on to talk about Q list. Like, I feel like we were talking oh, about Oh, okay. It yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. So yeah, I remember that, makes sense. that, makes that sense. this is a thing that existed from our previous discussion, but also right. didn't experience it myself. Right. Well, anyways, all of that preamble that we've, covered two seasons ago <laughs> to say that like i feel like this is one of those episodes that could have been included in that collection if we did like a cardassians or like a garrett collection or, yeah. or something like oh, that where it's it. like a lot of that stuff that is following up on threads from earlier planting seeds that'll be picked up on later but also like is kind of like a just a solid episode like you could kind of like take it or leave it that's kind of how i feel about it i think that once i I'm done with this podcast, which will be in many, uh, not anytime soon. Um, I'm going to just do like a Garrick marathon of Deep Space Nine and like just watch all the Garrick episodes. A Garathon? Yes, exactly. Um, I, so some other little bits about the episode. I kind of felt like the last scene of the episode had real like, Louis, I think this is going, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship vibes, but I won't say more because Matthew has not seen Casablanca. Yes, I just outed you on this podcast. Uh, you gotta like drag me like that, right? <laughs> um, but um, I'll I, get around to it eventually. I know. I just, I rewatched it the other day, so I'm just like, it's fresh in my mind how excellent it is. Um, I felt like this episode, I was like, is this a bottle episode? Because, yeah, they had brought in Gold Ducat and Garrick, but, like, the entire show was, like, on the station, which is easily, like, you know, in a set. And I was reading up on Memory Alpha that it was actually planned as a bottle episode. So I was, like, I did my, like, you know, glasses, eyebrow, waggle, good job, Elise. <laughs> um, a- Bottle episode being um, an episode that uses just, you know, existing existing sets. So it just right. takes place like on, on the ship or on the station. Or yeah. Like, basically, you don't need any new locations. And they're, they're a nice way for television production to kind of stretch their budgets because you don't yep. need to use new stuff. Right. Basically. Which is why I mentioned that my only like argument against would be, okay, obviously, um, Andrew Robinson and Mark Lemo had come on, which costs more money to have guest stars but other than that i felt like it was def it could definitely fit into that definition of a bottle show yeah i the, the way i understand a bottle episode isn't so much like you know just the cast it's more like the sets and the yeah, kind of production around it um the question that i would have 
and like I'm sure it's like still still a bottle episode because I'm sure it's just a a redress of like an existing set that they didn't right. build special for this. Mm-hmm. But the ore pro like the part of ore processing or whatever that right. where Cisco where Cisco, Cisco, and O'Brien, <laughs> where um, Miles, Jake, and Ben get trapped, I don't think we've seen before. Like, I know we saw, or we've seen ore processing before, like on Terraknor in the Mirror Universe, and et cetera, right. et cetera. But I don't know if this specific set we've seen before, but I'm sure it's like a, a, a redress of like mm-hmm. a cargo room or, or a cargo bay. Right. Or something. And uh, since we recorded last, actually, I don't know if we talked about this but i saw it like two weeks ago i went to that star trek the original series set tour i don't remember us discussing this on the episode last time yeah i don't think we i think we didn't talk about it on on yeah we talked about it right 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 so i went up to upstate new york um a couple weeks ago with some friends and i saw the original series um set that was recreated by this guy who i think is working on the tng one next but anyway, it was interesting because, like, the way that they had the hallways, it was, like, they had extra things you could, like, add or take away. So I kind of feel like it probably was something similar on, like, the other Star Trek um, shows where, like, you'd have, like, a generic hallway or, or like, wall and then you could just, like, mix and match different set dressings and stuff. Um, they said... In, when I was reading up on Memory Alpha that this episode was kind of difficult to put on because the script kept getting rejected by Michael Piller. Like, he was very much like, I don't believe any of this. And that, like, they actually had people in the cast, like, helping <laughs> because they were like, okay, like, they needed to figure out how to uh, get this episode to be believable because it just kept, you know, the... The security stuff just kept getting, like, worse and worse. Um, One thing I do want to talk about before we kind of get into what actually happens in the episode is the script also intended to make Golducat a little bit less friendly. Um, They, you know, when we when we see him in the Maquis part one and two, he's he's coming to help a little bit. But also, you know, he wants to find out about them himself as like you know, the opposite side of the um, demilitarized zone. Um, And I think that they were worried that they made him too likable. So they didn't, I think the quote was they didn't want him to be like, I don't know what they said actually, but like they didn't want them, him to be like your, your neighborhood, uh, your neighborhood Cardassian or something along those lines. And I'm like, of course not. That's Garrick. Um, <laughs> but this is one of the first episodes where Ducat kind of expresses attraction towards Kira, and this is something that comes up in other episodes in the future as well. And it's a trait I personally find very icky, and eventually turns in in my opinion to be like insult guy, like why won't this hot lady sleep with me? And I found Nana Visitor's comments on it really interesting. And she's commenting on the fact that it's kind of, that Kira kind of laughs it off in this episode because, as opposed to, like, being angry. And she said, Nana said, I would have liked my character to make the point that only a few years earlier, Ducat wanting me would have been something, would have meant that he could have had me and I wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. 
So I shouldn't have, so it shouldn't have been seen as a cute moment. It was actually a horrifying moment, one that would make Kira feel disgust and panic. To Kira, Dukat is Hitler. She's not ever going to get over that. She can never forgive him, and that's important to me. Kira may have started to see Cardassians as individuals, but she will always hate Dukat. And that is from the Deep Space Nine companion. And I think that really reads into my feelings of it. In addition to normal, like if a guy, if like someone turns you down sexually, like please, please just listen to them and stop continuing to make them feel uncomfortable. Like besides that, there is the whole aspect of like a few years ago, like he could have imprisoned her and and made her do whatever he wanted, and so it's really gross to make light of it. And I don't think that they made as light of it in the future. So I don't know if Nana had said something after this episode. There's no way for me to know that. But I think it's handled a little. It's like, well, it's not great that it continues. It's projected a little bit like they know how icky it is. If I remember correctly, I will comment. And this is something that I want to like pay attention to going forward. The hamster wheel. My head is going very quickly to be like, how how can I like respond to it without potentially like spoiling? Well, right. our editor for one and everyone right, else that's, that's like following along and and watching it for the first time. But like, yeah, your your memory is 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 spot on, and it's definitely like a thread to watch going forward. I agree with with you and and Nana specifically about it like yeah when you started talking about it my my black sound was like it's uh, it's probably one of my like least favorite threads especially in light of some of the things you know that are are discussed in what we left behind the the deep space nine right. documentary yes um, oh i was just thinking kind of just... about that time that we got into like a twitter argument with that yeah stan <laughs> with a with a Lamo stand yeah, yeah. Um, oh god I, that was a long that was like a couple years ago now but that was wild <laughs> i forgot about that until just now and i yeah. just want to reiterate that like the, it's the when i say like it's the power dynamic in addition to like the creepy like she already said no so like level one is like it bothered me the same way that bashir doing the same thing to dax bothered me but there's this whole other... Well, like, obviously Bashir stops and he and Dex become friends. But, like, there's this whole dynamic of, like, what their power roles were a few years ago that adds the, to adds to it. That makes this a lot worse. I can never just say something once. I have to say it, like, two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I can see the desire of the writers to, like not necessarily play this for laughs going forward, but like putting Dukat and Kira together, like on one level is smart because it like, they're two good actors and you can, and you can play that for drama a lot. Right. Um, it's just, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it more when they get there, but I think there was an idea for it to go a certain way that the writers were liking that, I potentially didn't like and I know Nana didn't like and then I think she kind of ends up winning that yeah I'll be honest I don't fully remember what you're talking about which is for the best because I will experience it as it happens but (laughs) I look forward to that conversation when we get there for sure 
Yeah, and I, I apologize to listeners for me being a, a like. I mean, I'm never eloquent on the podcast, but That's slightly less elo- eloquent than normal. Just because I'm like, yeah, what do I say? What don't I say? I don't want to like, you know. Yeah. No, we have it's just something to watch going forward. Yeah, I we don't want to spoil anyone here, um, for sure. Um, I have this like really large urge to sing. Um, instead of saying love shack baby to sing like lockdown baby and like i'm not going to actually sing it but you guys can all like pretend that you heard me because we got a lockdown baby <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um our deep space nine crew is locked down is all i was trying to say that was like the worst transition in podcasting history i think I mean, I don't get how Love Shack moves into, like, lockdown. Like, they don't sound oh. the same to me. But No, no, no. Like... It's just because I wrote in our notes, we got a lockdown baby. And I think it's just the use of the word baby. I don't think it has anything to do with um, Love Shack <laughs> and lockdown being related. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so demented. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like this. My brain doesn't make any sense. So yeah, so they trip up something and, you know, we get this creepy, like, golden cot video. Lockdown. Lockdown, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I had to get it out of my system. Got me a runabout. It's as big as a whale. (laughs) It's time to set sail. Looking for the wormhole, baby. Anyways, yeah, okay. That was perfection. I just want you to know that I laughed really loud and I purposely moved my head away from the microphone so that it wouldn't be in your ear. (laughs) But that is something I learned from Alanis Morissette. Um, When she sings and, like, she's going to, like, really belt it out, she's, like, a professional. So she, like, moves her head really far from the microphone and the sound was amazing and even and that was something my friend and I commented on while we were watching her on Thursday which everyone should know that happened because I tweeted about it to bring it back to Star Trek um I really like your notes here so you just somehow somehow get into saying them (laughs) uh so like here's here's one of my things of this episode where it's like and I think Bashir even like references this later in the lockdown where he's like this place was just starting to feel like home and Kara's like we'll never forget your home was built by the Kardashians um but yeah it's been like over two years and we still haven't cleaned out all the garbage like Kardashian programming that we can just accidentally trip a lockdown like years later (laughs) like like like, someone should get fired I feel like someone should get fired for this and then and then, like, again, I'm kind of jumping all over the lockdown here, but whatever. It's <laughs> our podcast. We can do what we want. But then, like, how Ben, Jake, and Miles escape their lockdown is by, like, using the ore that was just left there, like, because it can be <laughs> explosive. And, like, whatever. That's cool. That's ingenious. Like, it's very MacGyverish. Like, we yeah. love to see it. But also, like, the ore is just lying around. Like, is this... Is this just, like, their basement storage room that no one's been in for two years to clean up? Like, I get that it's, like, you'd prioritize, like, the living spaces and stuff first. But, like, there's, like, that ore's got to be worth something. 
Otherwise, yeah. why were the Cardassians mining it? And like, I I'm surprised Cork hasn't like found a way to steal it prior to now, so that it's not even there. Yeah. I kind of felt like from the most of the episode, like the Jake, um, Cisco O'Brien stuff, like wasn't as exciting to me on the second watch. Like, I don't know. It wasn't boring. I just did thought that the conversations that were happening in Ops and with Gold Ducat and Garrick were just a lot more interesting to me. Um, I did like, there were a couple aspects. Like, obviously at the end of the episode, well, let me stop getting ahead of myself. I like that Cisco kind of, like, allowed Jake to help. Um, obviously toward the end he says, you know, stay here and then Jake goes and rescues Miles anyway. Um, but I did like that Cisco was, like, going to let Jake go into the ore thing. So I feel like two years ago he would have, like, made... He would have been, like, that's not an option. I mean, and obviously he would have been 14 at that time, but it just made me feel like Cisco is... Trusts his son, but also knows, like, many lives are at stake, and if Jake can fit in there, then he should go into the ore thing. Right. Right. Can we talk about these eugenics force fields? <laughs> was that what was going on where, like, Cardassians could walk through it fine? Like, I was very confused by this. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So, like, what What I wasn't clear, was it, like, because it wasn't her Cardassians? Or is it because, like, like, I think he was also able, Garrick was able to move around and come to Ops because he had a level of access code that like allowed him to I think he was able to see stuff but he wasn't able to do stuff because Goldicott right. didn't trust him enough to like yeah. give him that kind of security but I I thought I couldn't I don't know if they showed it but like I couldn't tell cuz I might have like looked away from the screen on like whether Garrett could just like walk through it or just like turn it off temporarily it was unclear either way it was very like well, because they have the other scene later where, not to get ahead, but, like, where there's, like, stuff shooting out at everyone, but it's only targeting non-Cardassians. It was, like, a lot of hand-wavy things that were happening. I was really amused, though, that Garrick knew where the life support controls were <laughs> without anyone having to tell him. <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was quite interesting because we do talk a lot about how Odo worked for the Cardassians and in this episode we find out that during this lockdown if this had happened while the Cardassians were still in charge of Tarek Noor that Odo would have been um, forced to stay in his security office so that maybe they didn't trust him as much or at least that was Odo's understanding of what was happening that they didn't they wouldn't have trusted him so they would have kept him in but I kind of feel like it could go either way because it could be like similar to ops where like they're just protecting who's ever in there. I think it's hard to know what the real um, motive would have been for that situation. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's that hard to know the, the real motive. Um, it's like to me, the motive is whatever the plot needed. That's fair. But I feel like. But you're talking in the universe. I know, I know. I know. Yeah, but like, I, I feel like the plot just needed it to happen. It didn't matter what the motivations were. Like, if it was to keep him in or, keep, you know, it reminds me of that. I don't know if you've seen the the film of Watchmen, but where, like, when Rorschach's in um, the prison with everyone and he 
he's they're all like you're in here with all of us and he's basically yes. like no you're in here with me or whatever it kind of like yeah um but yeah it was hard to know if it was like caging odo or securing odo right for me so <laughs> so like halfway through this episode basically um goldicott shows up because he had set up an if this then that notification for the security program <laughs> so he got a text message saying like um this is from your other self we need help um and I just thought that was really funny that, like, there was some coding in that security thing that, like, would still message him and that he had the same uh, phone number or whatever. <laughs> you know, he didn't change his phone number in three years. Um, we get a little bit more on the com- on the tensions between Golducott and Garrick. Um, and I, d- I honestly don't fully remember what the deal is with them, but we do find out that Gold Ducat's dad was involved, um, and that I guess Garrick worked for him or something like that. I don't know. It was really um, surface level still, but we know it made both of them very testy. Mm-hmm. I also really liked when Garrick t- called um, Gold Ducat short sighted because I feel like that was really obvious in a lot of scenes in this episode, especially when. Like, Dukat never assumed the Cardassians wouldn't be in control of Tarek Noor. So the idea that, like, he would also get stuck there, like, didn't occur to him. Because it was written into the program that if he tried to leave, it would be considered abandoning his post and be called a coward. So that part was very funny. And also, you know, was it just highlighted people that only care about helping others when they're also... Um, at risk. So it had real as the father of daughters vibes to me. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as a father of daughters, I'm going to help everyone get out of here because, you know, my daughter, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> yep. And I have one last thing to say about Gold Ducat and Mark Alemo. His voice, his voice, I don't mean to say his voice. I meant to say his face when Garrett calls him out for hitting on um, Kira. Which was all things, like, I loved what Garrick was saying, but, like, in 2020, I wish, like, Kira was saying all those things. Um, sorry, 2022? What the fuck year is it? I don't know. Um, Marco Lemo made the best face ever and was, like, the way he says Garrick in that moment, he's just so, like, genuinely shocked to be called out in this manner. And, like, no one has ever talked to him this way, and it was very amusing to me. I like when... Um, Gold Ducat is put in his fucking place because he sucks. Great character, mm-hmm. but sucks. Like char- like I love the character of him. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like I like messy characters. I don't really have much else to say about the episode, like at large. Um, yeah, and that's like kind of like what I was like referring to later, where it's like. When you're like rewatching DS9 or whatever, what's on? So like, like, oh, I want to turn off this episode. Like, it's not, it's not a stinker, but it's like, I don't know. There's just like not a. I don't think there's a lot of meat here per se, and I think that right. like, the the good meat that is there, we've kind of already like yeah. talked about, and I think it's stuff that like comes to fruition later yeah yeah it's 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 basically starting some more it it, it's like a teaser for future things to come 
I did. I think the like the stuff that worked for me the best in this episode was the Quark and Odo stuff, just because like they do have such like a yeah a fun relationship, mm-hmm. and then you know putting putting them as a like a pair together when they're trapped, I think is 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 good. Um, I yeah, that, but I like that too. Um, I was going to to. I have a little bit more to say about that um, in one of our regular <laughs> scheduled um, segments. Well, yeah, let's 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 get into it. So, um, am I am I assuming that Quoto is your your Altair Water Thirst so, Quencher? I actually have two this week, but that is one of my first ones. There are some excellent Quoto moments in this. Quoto trying Quoto. I just called Oda that. <laughs> Oda trying to cheer Quark up by being like, "I've never met one more devious like." Basically saying, like, don't worry, you're the baddest of all the Ferengi boys. I see it. Um, is really funny. Um, they get trapped in a security office together. And I was telling a friend of the pod, Lozzie, about this. I texted him during the week and was like, I say during the week, it was probably yesterday, that they got trapped. And, and Lozzie wrote back, is there only one bucket? <laughs> because we all know I love an only one bed trope in um in my romance so in my version of this there's only one bucket and they have to share it before i go into my second thirst quencher did you have anything to add or another i don't want to say two before you've been able to say one yeah no that's fair um mine is electricity and those explosive rocks (laughs) so we're going a little bit um chemical yeah figurative i guess is what i was gonna say um but yes i love that for you (laughs) (laughs) um there was a one second scene where um when gold ducat shows up and is like threatening and being like oh garrick i see you cowering there in the corner and garrick goes to stand up and bashir is like wait garrick like in desperate concern um for garrick's safety and garrick is like it's fine baby this program is eugenicsy it cannot hurt me so um it was just like bashir being concerned about his love and garrick being like don't worry i would never let myself get harmed because i know it would upset you too much (laughs) garrishir love it garrishir is like my top over like i love um it over quoto but i love both of them yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, did you have a mm-hmm. most star trek moment of the episode um i just think of, like parts of this episode reminded me there's a i think it's a season five episode of next generation called disaster where it's it's similar where people it's the one where picard it's the one with captain picard day where mm-hmm. picard gets trapped in the turbo lift with the kids oh and, i like that you know, episode yeah, it's 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 it kind of has a little bit of, like similar vibes because yeah. it's it's a reason to do like a bottle show, right? Yeah. What about you? Um, I would just say that like the ending was like ridiculous in the sense that like Cisco just quickly does a puzzle and saves everybody. <laughs> um, the fact that like I couldn't follow along with what he was doing because it was just like nonsensical, like sticking. He looked like he was working at like <laughs> the like. Um, Sterling Cooper like switchboard or something (laughs) (laughs) and I was just like okay if it works just so the fact that it was like 
you know, he did some shit and, and fixed everything. Was was felt really Star Trek to me. Like it didn't really matter how it got fixed. No. He did a thing. No. It's it's yeah. It's a podcast. All <laughs> right. Until next time, Elise, where can folks find more of you on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-I-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. And you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox as well at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch Elise and I together on Twitter and Instagram at PodRace. And you can also email us at podrace at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And also thank you to our editor, Melissa. And until next time, computer and program. Bye. Need to be open wide, you know. And every time you speak her name, just about until me, until you die, until you die. But you're still alive, and I swear. You're not even singing the right words. I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. It's like. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm being a jerk. Um, to bring it back to Star Trek. Um, I really like your notes here, so you just somehow ha- somehow get into saying them. <laughs> uh, so, like, here's here's one of my things with this episode, where it's like, and I think Bashir even, like, references this later in the lockdown, where he's like, this place was just starting to feel like home, and Kira's like, we'll never forget your home was built by the Kardashians. Um, 